This week, uh, the NFL uh, announced the finalists for the uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Uh, London Fletcher, who I personally think will probably win it, but uh, he's linebacker for the Redskins. Uh, Mike Fury uh, from the Browns. And Brian Waters, a little closer to home, uh, guard for the Chiefs, are uh, up for that award. Somebody's for him. All right. <laughs> Yeah, you know, they'll give that award out right before the uh, Super Bowl next week. And I personally believe that it's the highest award you can receive in, in the NFL because it honors a high-impact player, uh, recognizes their contribution off the field as a humanitarian, as well as their excellence on the field. And several years ago, they, they named that award in honor of Walter Payton, who I believe is one of the greatest running backs of all time. You know, sweetness. Any Chicago fans out there today? All right. With great enthusiasm. You know, Payton on the field, I mean, he just had this incredible intensity. And uh, this week, ESPN, they were showing some footage of him. And I remember watching him as a kid. Uh, and uh, he just, he would elude and bounce off the tacklers. He, he'd fight free. Somebody would get a grasp on him, and he'd just break free from that opponent. And the guy just kind of uh, would struggle and claw his way with, with raw determination in a relentless pursuit of that goal line. He wanted to hit the end zone. And he just had the, this kind of single-mindedness he, where he would not be denied. And as I was watching that footage this week, I thought, that is a picture of the Christian life. That is how God wants us to live our spiritual lives. I mean, how do I know that? Well, Paul, he kind of gives us an app for that kind of mentality. And he says that we're gonna, he's going to take and use some uh, athletic metaphors for the Christian walk. And you find them in the letter of Philippians that we've been looking at. Now, he didn't use a football analogy because they didn't have football in the first century. They hadn't invented beer commercials yet, so they didn't need it. But, uh, yeah. He uses sports language, though. And he uses the kind of language that it's the kind of race you might see in the Olympics. You know, and Paul, Paul says this. This is a soundbite here. He says, Beloved, I do not consider that I've made it on my own. Here we go. But this one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says pressing on, straining. You know, he's capturing that, that image of an athlete that is pursuing that finish line. You know, leaning forward, giving it everything that they've got in pursuit of the prize. And Paul says that's how he lives his life. And that's how every Christian is to live their life. You know, what Paul's saying that, you know, it's not a fight for heaven. I mean, we know that. I mean, what, what, what's he fighting for? You know, what's he straining for? 
You know, it's absolutely clear it's not salvation because Paul writes in Ephesians, he says, first, by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It's a what? A gift, gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. He says, it's a, it's a free gift. We do not win reconciliation with God. We don't gain access to heaven by, by struggling, by, by straining, by, by striving. It's a free gift, free gift. It's what we receive, God's grace. We receive it through our faith. But Paul was writing to first century Christians. First century Christians that had come to some conclusions. They were faulty, but they were their conclusions. That once they had accepted Jesus Christ, once they had received God's grace and become a Christian, that once they had taken that step, that what they could do is kind of sit on the sidelines. They could sit and wait uh, for heaven. And... Paul kind of takes on this, uh, what I'll call minimalistic uh, mentality. You know, it'd be kind of like getting married. You know, and a new couple gets married, and the spouse turns to one and says, you know, what's the minimum that I could do and us stay together? I mean, how, how little do we have to talk so that we could maintain this relationship? You know, I mean, what's the least interaction we could have and still make this really work? Some of you are going, did you talk to my husband? You know, did you talk to my wife? You know. I mean, seriously, can you imagine? But that kind of mentality, I mean, it doesn't work in marriage. You know, in fact, as I think about that, I think, you know, why'd you get married in the first place? Makes me wonder if it even is a marriage at at that point. And what I'm absolutely sure is it's not about love. But it doesn't work in marriage, and it won't fly in your Christian faith either. You know, after Paul kind of uh, affirms that salvation's free, Paul writes, he says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Even before we had given our lives to Jesus Christ, God prepared a race for you. God prepared a race for you. A mission for for you to accomplish in, in your life. And God wants you to pursue that race. In fact, I would argue that God wants you to pursue that race with that kind of single-mindedness that a Walter Payton had when he hit the field and he starts marching toward the goal, he's not going to be denied. And Paul wants you to have that kind of passion. That that when you align yourself with, with God's call, whatever that is, it's a higher calling for your life, when you're in sync with God's purpose for you, friends, there's no greater adventure. There's no greater game that you can get involved in. You know, I, what you'll find if you take that step in your life, you, you find that as you run the race, it's empowering. You, you find joy running the race. You find fulfillment in, in that race. You, you may find the race challenging at points, 
but it's also uplifting and life-changing. In fact, you run it in such a way that pretty soon you can't imagine not running it. You don't want to miss anything. I mean, how do, how do you run that kind of race? You know, Paul, Paul says, here's an app. It's directional. It, it'll, it'll move you in the right way, this kind of uh, app. In other words, we start by looking up. We look up so that we know what race we're supposed to run. You know, you got to look to God to discern what God's purpose is for your life. Now, there are, there are purposes that we all have. If you're a Christian today, God's got some common purposes for us. In fact, I, I believe all Christians, we, we are called to become more like Jesus Christ in our lives. We are called to help other people in the name of Jesus Christ. We're, we're called to extend grace to those around us. You know, last week we, we talked about uh, being a beacon of light in a dark world and that we're to shine. In other words, we're to shine in such a way that we can share our faith. Those are just some things that we all have in common that we're supposed to be about. But Paul says, you also have a race to run that's tailor-made just for you. You know, Paul says you've got to focus on God if you're going to understand what that is. You know, Paul was very clear what his race was. In fact, when he stood trial, he was standing before King Agrippa. He, he says, you know what, this is what Jesus told me. He says, I'll rescue you from the people and the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you. Here's his mission. Paul says, Jesus told me, he sent me to open their eyes and turn them from dark, the dark light, from the dominion of Satan to God, so that by trusting in me, remember Jesus speaking here, they may obtain forgiveness of sin and a place with those whom God has made his own. Paul says, that's the race I'm running. And, and friends, if you study Paul, you realize Paul ran that race his entire life. I mean, he ran with determination and enthusiasm and, and passion. He had grit at, at points. And what I don't know, I don't know what your race is, I do not know what God wants you to run, what race he's wanting you to run. I mean, it might be feeding the poor. It might be praying for for others. It may be teaching kids, uh, leading a group, maybe uh, comforting the the sick or administrating a ministry. And honestly, it could be one of a thousand different things. But whatever it is, Paul would say to you, run the race with determination Run it with enthusiasm, with with grit. Give it everything you got. It doesn't matter if that race is ran in the spotlight or behind the scenes. You just should run it to the best of your ability. You know, John Newton, uh, the author of Amazing Grace, he, he would always tell a, a story trying to get at this, this whole race concept. And he would say, imagine there, there are two angels in heaven. And at the very same moment, God gives them both an assignment. And one, he gives them the assignment to sweep the streets, 
the dirtiest streets, in the dirtiest city, in the dirtiest country on the planet. And to the other, he gives the assignment to reign over the most spectacular kingdom in all the world. And he says, it would be absolutely irrelevant to the angels which one got which assignment. It didn't matter. Because all they had to do was run the race that God wanted them to run and that they understood that. And friends, what I want you to understand today is that when you align yourself with God's purpose for your life, not God's purpose for your neighbor or your spouse or someone else, your life, whatever that assignment is, you ought to fulfill it. I mean, my personal assignment, and I've known most of my life, and that's to, to spend time with people, to get them to say yes to God, to help people, encourage people in their face so that they, they grow. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, when I'm doing that, that is when I'm the most effective, that's when I'm the most fired up, that, that's when I'm the most fulfilled and satisfied. People ask me often, they go, well, how do you know? How do you know if the race that you're running is a race that you want to run or a race that God wants you to run? And I get asked that a lot of different ways, but that's the gist of it. How do I, how do I know the difference? Well, friends, do you need God in order to run the race? If you are running the right race, if you're running the one that God wants you to run, you will need God. It will require dependency on God. And ultimately, it will bring glory to God. And I know as I say that, some of you are going, I can't run the race that God wants me to run. I don't have what it takes. That's my point. You don't have what it takes. The fact is, you need God. And something I've figured out about God is that whenever you run the race that God has called you to run, whatever it is, God will equip you to do it. God will guide you. God will protect you. God will provide you with whatever you need to run that race. You just have to keep looking up. Just have to keep looking up. You know, some of you, if you think about some of the circumstances that you have faced in your life, those circumstances have prepared you. They, they have equipped you to do something very unique. You know, you think about some of the problems that you've faced, and it doesn't really matter whether or not you caused the problems or God allowed those problems or, you know, someone else brought them into your life. The fact is, God will use them for good, Scripture says, but God will use them to equip you. Again, the, the f- fact is that God works in us. A couple weeks ago, one of the apps that we looked at, it's Philippians uh, 1.6, God is the one who began this good work in you, and I am certain that he won't stop before it is completed on the day that Christ returns. We talked about that. What God starts, God what? Finishes. He finishes. He never gives up. 
God never gives up. God, God wants you to grow. God wants you to mature. You, you run the race that's placed before you, not for a little bit of time, for a lifetime. You know, I, I would just remind you, you are not an accident. You are not an accident. God made you on purpose for a purpose in this world. But if you're going to figure out that race, you first, first you gotta, gotta take the, the step of looking up and allowing God to help you figure out what race you're to run. And then you just start running it. You just start running it in, in your life. Second thing you, you've got to do is after you've looked up, you've got to look inside. You've got to look inside. And the reason why you look inside yourself is so that you quit looking backwards in life. Now, many years ago, many pounds ago, I used to run track. <laughs> it's hard to believe, isn't it? But I can remember my, my coach. He was always on all of us guys. And uh, he, we would take and we'd be doing one of these, you know, running and look at, looking behind us. And uh, he would go, quit looking back. Quit looking back. Do not glance backwards during a race. It'll slow you down. It'll distract you. You know, if you want to win, don't do it. Quit it, guys. And friends, in the spiritual race, I believe as we look back at our past, most of the time it weighs us down. It distracts us. Paul says, Forgetting what lies behind. Why? So I can press forward to the prize that's ahead. You know, I think sometimes that you have to look inside. You have to look inside so that you can figure out what it is that's behind you that, that's weighing, weighing you down. You know, there, there are all kinds of things in our past that, that weigh us down. True? The, the fact is when you, you start living life and you spend all your time looking in the rear view mirror watch out in fact I'm convinced one of the greatest uh, hindrances to us running the race is uh, our past failures our past hurts you know I I can't believe I did that It it cost me everything I mean, it was 20 years ago, but, well, this is just payback. I've got, I've got it coming. I deserve this. They lied. They lied. It cost me my job. I mean, it ruined my life. I am never letting that go. My spouse left me. I'll never be happy again. That just hadn't happened. And don't misunderstand me here. All right, I, I'm not trying to minimize whatever whatever your story is. You know, whatever it is you did, uh, whatever happened to you. But here's what I'm saying: at some point, at some point, the past has to become that, just that—the past. I mean, when we refuse to uh, forgive, 
you know, someone that, that hurt us. If we refuse to let go of that, it just drags us down. You know, if we refuse to ask for forgiveness and accept that forgiveness for something we did, it just drags us down. And when we continue to focus on the past, friends, it comes at a high price. A high price. Remember, objects in the mirror are what? Closer than you think. I mean, you start living with those objects, you know, things like guilt, anger, shame, and they just weigh you down. You know, I I am absolutely sure that Paul had a lot of guilt in his life. Pile of it. I mean, the the guy had committed murders. He had stood by the side as people were, were executed. He had been responsible for a lot of people losing their life. And at some point, Paul said, I had to let the past go. Some of you need to stop reliving your past. You need to stop being manipulated by your past. You need to stop focusing in that rearview mirror and just let go. Let go. If you're going to run the race, if you're going to reach that finish line, you just got to let go. You got to let go of the guilt. How do you do that? Well, ask God for forgiveness and then accept it. That, that's the harder part sometimes. You got to let go of the, the grief. You got to let go of the grudges. The, you got to let go of the pain at some point. Isaiah says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. You know, I always say, learn from your past. There's always stuff we can learn. But don't dwell on it. Focus on the future. Focus on the future. You know, another way I think we look in the rearview mirror is when we let the voices from our past kind of weigh us down. You know, things that we heard or maybe were told as children, you know, maybe by a parent or a teacher or coach, spouse, maybe even a pastor. And for some reason, that, that we took what they said and it just kind of took root in us took root in our mind and our souls. You know, things like your failure. Whatever made you think that you could do something worthwhile? You're just a dreamer. You know, you, you never amount to anything. And we play it over and over and over. And those words if we're honest, have a bigger impact than we realized. You know, Proverbs writes, it says, kind words heal and hurt. Cutting words what? Wound and maim. Wound and maim. I mean, your spirit may have been maimed from a young age. Self-image may have been distorted. You know, Proverbs 23, 7 reminds us that what we think, we become like. In other words, whether it's conscious or subconscious, when we focus on those words from the past, they, they have power. 
And that power, you play that enough times, you play those words, and that power increases, and pretty soon you start believing it. And if you tell yourself something enough times, like, I can't do anything right, play it enough times, and not only do you start believing it, you start living up to it. Because your actions, your actions mirror what you think. Ask yourself this. Do the words from your past move you forward? Okay, because there are good things that move us forward. Or it, it, we, in uh, response to it, we go, okay, I've got to, and it pushes us forward. If that's true, good. Or do the those words from the past hold you down. Because if they hold you down, if they weigh you down, you've got to break free from that power, the power of those words. I mean, how you break free? Well, sometimes it's a long process. Sometimes you need uh, a professional counselor to help you with that. But most of the time, you just need a very simple and effective approach. You know, in other words... You, you've got to, at some point, go, okay, what is the lie? You know, identify it. Put your finger on it. Uh, what's the lie that you've been fed or that you're buying into? And then you replace it with a biblical truth. You use the, the power of God's word to kind of defeat that lie, to replace that, that poison, and that is what it is, with the life-giving word of God. You know, for example, if you were told by someone that you're unlovable, you might take a a scripture we talk about often, for God so loved the world, that includes you, me, that he gave his only son. That's how lovable you are. That's how important you are. You know, maybe you were told that What you did can never be forgiven. And it just took root. You know, I would take to heart a a scripture like Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You know, if you were told that you are uh, worthless, that you will never change, you know, you're just going to be the way you are the rest of your life. You know, take a scripture like 2 Corinthians. So if anyone's in Christ, there's a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. It's a promise from God. You know, someone told you there's no hope for you. You know, take a scripture like Jeremiah. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not your harm to give you a future with hope. I mean, do you see how it works I'm not saying it happens overnight, but as you dwell on God's word, as you take that scripture and embed it, it changes everything. You know, Jesus said the truth will, what? Set you free. And we talk about that a lot around here. The truth will set you free. It will get you moving in the right direction. I believe God's word liberates us. 
You know, it liberates us from the lies of the past, from the baggage of the past, from our mistakes in the past. And if we saturate our hearts and our minds and our souls with God's word and take the truth from, from God's word, God's attitude about us, and we understand that, when we take that step and pursue it, it changes everything and it allows us to pursue the race that God has for you and for me. It's all about focus. I mean, where are you focusing today? You know, are you focusing on something you did in the past? Are you focusing on something that, that happened to you, that you went through? You know, are you focusing on, on the guilt or the pain or the frustration or the shortcomings? Whatever. Again, you study the life of Paul, and you find that one of his keys to running the race was forgetting what lies behind. Just forgetting about it, letting it go. I mean, for some of you, it's not so much that you're looking back, you're just distracted in life. Just distracted, and the distractions are weighing you down. Again, question is, where are you focusing? Where are you focusing You know, some of you are discouraged. You're you're trying to run the race, but you're just discouraged right now. You look at life and you're like, this is awful. This is awful. I I can't believe this is happening to me. You know, I'm history. This is just awful. You know, I'll I'll never recover from this. I'm, I'm tired of trying. I would ask you the same question. Where are you focusing? Where are you focusing today? You focusing on the circumstance or are you focusing on Jesus Christ? You know, you focusing on the, the situation or are you focusing on a savior? You know, you focusing on your past and your problems or are you focusing on God's plan for your life and God's power? What are you focusing on? Where are you looking? You know, for some of you, you're so distracted that you're not even sure you're in the race. And people around you aren't sure you're in the race. The fact is, God has a race for you. And it's designed for you. And if you don't run that race because you're just distracted, guess what? Your race doesn't get run. You know, Paul, Paul says, Remove the distractions. Get rid of the things that are slowing you down. Strip off the stuff that's weighing you down. I've said this before. You can't run a race in a suit of armor. I mean, you just can't. You have to eliminate the things that are unnecessary in life. You know, what's keeping you from running the race that God's called you to run? You know, what are the things that are distracting you? You know, what, what are they? Is it making money? You know, is it having fun? Is it some relationship in your life? Is it too many activities? And that's a big one for folks. You know, Hebrews, Paul, Paul writes, he says, so we must get rid of everything. Not some things, not a few things, not a couple things, not the things I kind of want to get rid of. Everything that slows us down especially the sin that just won't let go, and we must be determined to run the race that is ahead of us. I mean, first you look to God, and God helps you figure out what race you're to be running. 
And then you look inside so you can figure out what it is that's weighing you down. So you quit looking back, you know, living in the rearview mirror of life. Change your focus and then finally look forward. Look forward so that you keep your eye on the prize. You keep your eye on the goal. You know, next week, uh, either the Colts or the Saints are going to win the Super Bowl. Just a little poll. How many Colts? All right. How many Saints? All right. How many Bears fans, Steeler fans? (laughs) We're out of it. Um, But they're going to run the race. And they're going to win the prize. And they're going to get fancy rings, a lot of money, probably pick up some endorsements, maybe gain some fame. In the first century, when they ran the race, they were given a reef made of leaves, 500 coins, free mill tickets, Maybe front row seats at the theater. Those were nice prizes then. They'll get nice prizes at the Super Bowl. But you know what? They have something in common. And that is they're temporary. They will fade away. You know, Paul says that we run a race that's very different. The prize is big time different. He says everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training They do it to get a crown that will not last. Get a Super Bowl ring that won't last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. What's the prize? Well, I think the prize is to hear Jesus Christ say, Well done, good and faithful servant. The the prize is knowing that My one and only life made a difference in this world and in eternity. The the prize is being able to look back for all eternity and know that you ran the race and you gave it all you had. Gave it everything. You know, Scripture says in, in heaven that every follower of Jesus Christ will receive a reward according to how they run the race. Now, I do not know what the rewards are, but I know they are coming from a creator of this universe, a creator who has an enormous imagination, is enormously generous and creative. In fact, so much so, it's almost mind-boggling when I think about it. And I know that we can trust that whatever those rewards are will be worthwhile. When we keep our eyes focused on the prize, it changes things. It changes your perspective. Suddenly, the obstacles that you face today, the disappointments that you're experiencing, they don't seem so big in light of the prize. You know, the, the hardships that you're going through won't seem quite as harsh. The the delayed gratification seems worth it as you look at the spectacle and the splendor of what awaits at the finish line. You know, a few years ago, uh, living in Springfield at the time, 
and my son-in-law called me. He was working at Damon's Ribs. Has nothing to do with me, by the way. But uh, anyway, he called and he goes, Walter Payton is here and he's almost done with dinner and he's going to hang around out in front of the store afterwards. And, and so I'll be honest with you, there's not very many people that I would drop everything for. But I wanted to see Walter Payton. So I headed right out the door. I called my brother on the way and said, meet me at Damon's. You know, Walter Payton's going to be there. Five minutes later, I'm sitting in the parking lot of Damon's. Now, don't be too impressed. I was three blocks from there is where we lived. So my brother and I were waiting around outside, and there isn't anybody around. And we're like, well, I hope he's not uh, pulling a prank on us or something. And a few minutes... Sure enough, Walter Payton come out, got to shake his hand. He stayed around and talked for quite a while. My, my brother, we, we didn't even have time to get anything to get autographs, so he signed a, uh, like a tissue, really, uh, for my brother. And, uh, but it was an amazing thing. Now, when I first saw him, he was not as big as I thought he was going to be. I mean, I had this image of a giant of a man. But he must have had like the heart of a lion, I figure. I mean, he's one of the greatest ever. You know, nine-time pro bowler, MVP, Super Bowl champ. He's held numerous records in the NFL. But it was amazing. And I'll remember that the rest of my life. And almost anyone that knows anything about football, they would say Peyton was one of the greatest that ever played the game. Right? Paul says something very interesting. A little bit later in Philippians, he says, Brothers and sisters, all of you should try to follow my example and to copy those who lived the way we showed you. Paul, Paul had such confidence in the race that he was running that he says, watch how I run. Watch how I run the race. You know, learn from me and learn from other people that are running a great race. You know, follow my lead. Now, here's the question. And I'm talking to Christ followers here. Would you feel okay with someone modeling your Christian race, your Christian walk? Would you want them to run the race that you are running? Or are you sitting here today going, not really. (laughs) I'm not sure... My lifestyle's a lifestyle anybody wants to model. Friends, when you run the race that Paul describes, you need to know, first of all, you never arrive. You're always growing. You're always strengthening. You're always improving as you run the race. But, here's the part we don't like. 
you should be running a race that is moving at a pace with, with some marked determination that you're not ashamed of. I mean, that is the kind of race that people are drawn to. You know, are you running the race that God called you to run? Are you running the race and forgetting what is behind? Are you straining forward to what's ahead? You know, are are you running? Are you pressing toward that goal? Are you running to win the prize? If so, yay God. Way to go. But if not, I want you to imagine today that you're at the starting gate. Starting line. And the gun just went off. And right now, you just look up and say, okay, God, show me the race that you want me to run. God, what do you want me to run? What race? And then look inside. And figure out what stuff you're looking back that you're hold that's dragging you down, and just let it go. And then start looking forward. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the goal, because it's a prize you'll have for all eternity. Paul says, "You want to run a race like that? You want to run the race of your life? I've got an app for that. Let's read together, beloved." I do not consider that I've made it on my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. God, we praise you. We thank you. We thank you that... You have a race that's custom designed for us. God, I pray that we would seek your face, that we would seek out your discernment, that um, your Holy Spirit would just mark us, that we would know what race we're to run. God, let us get rid of the distractions, stuff in the past that's weighing us down, to just let go of it. To run with everything in us toward that goal, that prize. God, whether you give us another day or we got 50 more years, that we would run every day to win that prize. God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. And thank you that you're there to pick us up when we fall. God, I pray as we leave this place today that we just run. Run for you. Run with you. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.